And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, all right, so the draft, the, there was a lot of craziness that happened um, in trades and free, uh, resignings and stuff like that. Even crazier was the actual draft. Um, for years, it felt like, like I, I heard about Shane Wright like uh, like three years ago, I think, um, because he got that exceptional status in the CHL. I assume you've heard of Shane Wright even longer than three years ago. Um, but like, you know, this, this draft has always been known as the Shane Wright draft. Um, just because it's like, okay, you're, you're like you, this guy, like, yeah, he didn't, um, end up becoming a McDavid or Sidney Crosby, but, um, but yeah, he's, he's also like, he didn't actually end up having a bad season or two in, um, in Kingston where he played in the OHL. And also to be fair, he, uh, like the OHL missed a year due to COVID. So. Um, yeah, he didn't uh, play at all there, but he did make it to the Canada World Juniors, where he had 14 points in five year, uh, in five games um, in the yeah. World Juniors. And was year. one of the tournament's best players. On yeah, top of that, exactly. That's all the hockey he played, and he excelled. Yeah, exactly. Um, there were reports. So when Montreal gets the lottery uh, or wins the lottery, we were just assuming that uh, they were going to draft. Shane Wright, because uh, Shane Wright's also a center. That's something that Montreal has been looking for for the last decade, it feels like. Um, and uh, you were just thinking like, okay, that's a done deal. Um, and I was just like, all right, I guess I'm gonna have to hate this guy. Um, and 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 then um, and then every now and then we'd hear reports that like uh, Jaraj Slavkovsky, um, uh, was listening or was like practicing with Montreal. Kent Hughes loves this kid. Um, and, and to, to Slavkovsky's credit, he was also like, you know, uh, he was phenomenal in the Olympics for the uh, Czech, um, sorry, Slovakia. Um, and like, he had like five goals in nine games for them. Um, his statistics in, um, Slovakia weren't so great, but like even still, like there were like there were all these reports that Montreal is going to draft Slavkovsky to the point where Bob McKenzie, who has predicted like the last twenty uh, draft uh, first overall picks, he picks uh, Slavkovsky's going first. We're we're still thinking like okay, Montreal is still going to take Shane Wright. Like there's no way that they're going to uh, actually like go through with this. But no, that's actually what ends up happening. Montreal ends up drafting Jiraj Slavkovsky. Um, by the way, forgive me if Slavkovsky is listening to us. I, I'm sorry for butchering your name. I'm sure I have. And I'm sorry in the future if I'm going to butcher all these prospect names. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking here. Uh, Slavkovsky, um, he did have 10 points in 31 games um, in La Liga. Um, and as I mentioned, he had seven goals in seven games in the Olympics. Um, and that's like the more notable thing. If like, I, I feel like if Slavkovsky didn't end up playing well in the, the Olympics, I, I don't think, uh, I think Montreal does end up going with Shane Wright. Um, 
And and I, I think I heard reports that like Slavkovsky ended up getting better towards the end of the year. But at the same time, Shane Wright um, gets... Um, he has... Uh, I was actually looking at this the other day. Um, Shane Wright ends up having uh, 94 points in uh, 63 games uh, for Kingston. And like... That's not bad. Like you would, you would think like, okay, like it's got to be the reason that it is like Shane Wright just wasn't as good anymore. That's that's pretty decent. Like yeah, you probably like that's not like McDavid numbers. That's not um, Crosby numbers when they were in the CHL. But that's still like pretty good. Like not enough to like move him down a few picks. But that's it. That ends up happening because then. Um, uh, New Jersey, uh, who picks second overall, uh, they go with Simon Nemec, Simon Nemec, um, again, uh, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing everyone's name, uh, he's another, uh, Slovakian, uh, which was, which is pretty cool that, like, the two straight Slovakians won two, uh, that's the first time that's ever happened, the first Slovakian to even be picked first overall, uh, which is kind of cool too, uh, and you know, uh, Nemec also had uh, Nemec. I mean, I'm going to call him Nemec. I think um, also had a had a pretty good uh, season in Sl- the Slovakian league um, as a defenseman. 29 points in 39 games. Also, not to mention the fact that New Jersey doesn't really need another center. They have Jack Hughes. They have Nico Heischer, um, and so it's like it would be another like Alex Lafreniere type situation where it's like, okay, if like Shane Wright is a third uh, line center for you, um, it's not worth it. So I totally get why New Jersey did that. Um, what was more confusing though, is uh, Arizona, which was the next pick, had the next pick. They go with Logan Cooley, uh, another center. Um, Logan Cooley actually might be pretty decent. Um, he had 75 points in 51 games for the US NTP. Um, and he, uh, he has Minnesota and you're just thinking like, what, what's the deal? Like why, what, like, like I can understand why New Jersey didn't do it, but like Montreal needs centers. Like, yeah, Nick Suzuki, um, is good, but like, you know, you need more than one center, a good center. Uh, Shane Wright can play right now, and yes, Slavkowski is probably going to play right away too, and probably Nemesh is going to play right away too. But like, like Logan Cooley, like Arizona doesn't even have one center <laughs> that's good right now. Like, why why are you doing this? Um, and so so now it's just it's just all so confusing. So Shane Wright ends up going number four. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, uh, to Seattle and, uh, yeah, it like, it fell into their lap for Seattle. Um, and you get Seattle. That means that Seattle, uh, get, ends up getting Shane, uh, Matty Beneers last year and they end up getting Shane Wright this year and they easily could get like a Crosby Malkin type situation going for the next decade. Um, and it's like, like Shane, like yeah, Slavkovsky might be uh, a good pro. Nemec might be a Nemish might be a good pro. Logan Cooley might be a good pro. Shane Wright is pretty much like guaranteed t- 
to be a superstar in the NHL. And um, like, I, I, tru- I truthfully, this is the most baffling thing that I think I've ever seen is like, why did Shane Wright go so like even to fourth? It, it does does not make sense to me. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. So we'll start off with the Montreal Canadiens um, and their decision to go with Uriah Slavkovsky. And I think his character and uh, his mean streak at times. Sometimes he can uh, he can get a little chippy when the chips are down, and he's got that edge to his game that uh, they feel Shane Wright didn't have. They feel Shane Wright was, I guess, too nice uh, in the heat of battle. And um, they felt uh, his compete level was inconsistent at times. They felt um, that he didn't develop in his second OHL season like they had hoped. And it, there were vibes like that, um, not just with one guy, it was, it was several guys. Uh, and you know what? To the Habs' credit, at least they didn't fly in blind. They had Logan Cooley, Uriah Shlomkovsky, and Shane Wright on the ice. They had multiple chances to look at them. They had a lot of time to think over who they were going to take. So at the very least, if they picked the wrong guy, at least you could say the Habs did their homework. You can't say they didn't try hard enough to make the best pick and they didn't think it through. I think they thought it through and they're hoping they get the best guy. And I can't remember what the conversation was, but it was during one of the draft live streams that I watched. And basically, Uriah Slavkowski was chatting with someone, and he's like, when we're all retired in 20 years, I want to be the best player out of this class and one of the best players in the league. You, you can't teach that level of confidence. That, that, that level of confidence is built from within. Yeah. Uh, that chippiness, that drive to be the best, that's built from within. Yeah. Also, he's six foot four and weighs 229 pounds, True. and he's 18 years old. My good God. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's not a center, he's a left winger. Like, those are attributes that you just can't teach. His brute force, you can't teach. Yeah. The way he thinks the game, his offensive ability, his defensive ability, the way he reads the play, you can change those things. If you think a skating can be better, you know, there's, there's skating schools, there's skating courses you can teach for that. There are some intangibles that you just can't teach. And maybe they feel Slavkowski provided more of that than Shane Wright did. And they're willing to go with Uriah Slavkowski, they feel, is the best player available. Not the positional wonder that they've been waiting years for. I just feel they could, they should have gone with Shane Wright because it would be easier to acquire a center like Shane Wright in the draft as opposed to trading for one unless they feel very confident and bearing the lead with one of the other stories that we're going to talk about in the offseason probably at some point. Pierre-Luc Dubois says in 2024, he plans to test the open market. If they feel very confident that Montreal is the destination and they're going to get Pierre-Luc Dubois, they feel okay, he'll be the number one center and we got Slavkowski on the wing. Or if the Habs are very, very bad, they can go with Connor Bedard who was also granted exceptional stats and in the WHL this year got 100 points. Yeah. And the year before that, in 15 games, got 12 goals and 28 points. I know uh, as an asterisk, Regina didn't make the WHL playoffs at all, 
but still, Connor Bedard is one heck of a player, and in theory, is going to be the next Shane Wright, the or, next guy that people are talking about throughout the course of the well, season. I, th- I think and it's I even. I don't think the Habs are going to get any better, so I do think they have a chance at Connor Bedard next year too. Yeah. So from that set, I kind of understand uh, why the Habs uh, go with Slukowski there. And before I do get to the other points, Brad, you wanted to jump in. Yeah, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I, That's I fine. was, I was just saying that. Well, first off. Um, yeah, I, I think, like, Slavkovsky, like, two-year drive issue, I think there is something to, like, Slavkovsky, like, Shane Wright has been billed since birth uh, to, to be, or, like, you know, since he was a teen, I yeah, guess. Yeah, exceptional stats, to first overall in the OHL yeah. draft, surely he goes yeah. first overall, He's it's never, just like, this, yeah. I'm going first. Right, right. And that's what he said, I'm going first overall. He was right. very confident he was. And, and yeah, and, and that's, like, that's, like, confidence in his, in a, in its own right, too, it's, um, own right, I, no pun intended, but I guess intended. Um, yeah. But, um, so, so it's, like, yeah, maybe you can, like, say, like, he doesn't have the motivation factor or something like that. But, like, to Shane Wright, like, Shane Wright is, like, like, do you think McDavid, like, anyone was questioning McDavid's drive? Anyone was questioning Sidney Crosby's drive? No. The answer is no. So, yeah. um, so I, I, I don't know if I necessarily buy that. Like, yeah, I guess, like, obviously I've never met Shane Wright. I've never met Slavkovsky. I've never met Logan Cooley or Nemec. So I don't personally know them, obviously, but like I don't know, just the fact that like you're you're basing it off of just like a feeling that like he he's gonna be he's gonna try harder. It's just uh, I I think that's just BS. Um, and also like from what you're saying, Connor Bedard is not like he's billed as like the next McDavid and not as the next Shane Wright. Like Shane like Shane Wright. Is going to be pretty good. I still have faith. He's he's been compared to like a Patrice Bergeron type, which is obviously really really good. Um, but uh, people are saying that like Bedard's going to be like the next elite superstar, like uh, Connor McDavid. So, um, yeah. so yeah, that that was why I cut you off initially. But I also wanted to make that other point of just like that just 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 uh, angers me even more. It's just like like I I just hate like that's my other pet peeve. Um, it's just like when people say like, "Oh, he didn't try hard enough." It's just like, what? What does that even mean? <laughs> like, that's just like, like just pure BS. Yeah, and um, I I think um, the the other thing that uh, should that the Habs are maybe thinking about is this is Montreal. Yep. And like, you might think you're the next big thing, but how are you going to handle the pressure? What's your confidence going to be like when the pressure's on you? Because the fans will get on you if you suck. Yeah. And right now we suck. So they're, they're expecting, like, the, it's tough love, but they don't expect this rebuild to last a couple of years. Yeah. This fan base can grow impatient, and if, if you don't deliver – this this isn't a fun place to play yeah. it's one of the worst places to lose but it's one of the best places to win we want to see yeah. what happens in theory when this guy's back is against the wall and he has to fight he has to fight for every single inch 
and he knows it's not going to be a good day, but he's got to find a way to get the job done. And maybe they saw something in Slavkovsky that they didn't see in Shane Wright. I have no idea. I'm not the GM of the Montreal Canadiens. I'm not the scouting staff. But they saw something in Slavkovsky where they just took a breath, they took a deep breath, they made the pick, and they're going to live with the consequences. Now, quickly going over New Jersey, I could see them taking Simon Nemich largely because he was seen as the best defenseman in this draft. Mm -hmm. He put up points he can kill penalties he's the best all-around defenseman in this draft and that's what the devils need because yep. they have ty smith they have luke hughes those are offensive-minded defensemen the closest thing to an all-around defenseman they have right now is damon severson and spoiler alert next year he's a free agent right. potentially so they could lose him um they need a guy to provide all-around defense not a potential game-changing center, which not only do they have Jack Hughes, they also have Nico Heischer, who's their freaking captain. And they committed a lot of money to Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, too. So, uh, are you going to ask him to play in the wing? Are you going to move one of those guys out? No, you're going to look for the area of need. And all-around defense is definitely a need in New Jersey. And they went with the positional pick, not the best pick. So that I can kind of understand. Even though it's a bummer, I can understand. Third overall... Arizona probably thought, eh, Shane Wright's not going to be there. We're going to look at what this Logan Cooley guy can do. And they seem to really vibe well with Logan Cooley. I saw the Steve Dangle live stream on Sportsnet uh, on their YouTube channel, and um, he was mentioning how he really got along well with the Arizona Brass. So it, it, it got me thinking, okay, Luke, Logan Cooley was their guy, and they made their pick like Logan Cooley was their guy. So that's how Shane Wright goes to fourth overall. And I'm pretty certain, and I wasn't there, I didn't see his face, so I can't really tell, but I am pretty sure the second that Ron Francis realized that Shane Wright was there at fourth overall, he got a Grinch-like grin all across his face from one side to the other thinking, my guy is here. I yeah. just got this guy at fourth overall. He <laughs> fell right into my lap. Let's go get him. Yeah. And they freaking took the player that I think is going to be the best player in this draft. Yep. Because I do think Shane Wright's confidence is ultimately going to carry him into the upper echelon of this draft class. And he is going to be the best player available for a multitude of reasons. First of all, Seattle's got cap space to add guys. Second of all, Seattle is a new market. You want a guy to associate with a brand, Shane Wright with the Seattle Kraken? That's a great way to make your fan base relevant outside of the Seattle market. Seattle is a market that gets by their teams. You look at how they rally around the Supersonics in the NBA when they were there for years. Uh, the way they become the 12th man with the NFL Seahawks, and they have the Mariners too. They are a sports market that really loves their sports teams. And I think the acquisition of Shane Wright really puts them on the map. Seattle, when they were playing their inaugural season, it kind of felt at times that, oh yeah, Seattle has an NHL team. I forgot about them. Right. And it's lucky because they weren't scoring many goals and they weren't winning many games. 
Vegas was easy to remember because they caught everyone's attention because holy crap, they're winning games and holy crap, they're in the finals. Seattle was maybe relevant for the first couple of weeks, then fell off, then continued to lose, then got hit by injuries and continued to lose. It was a very rough first year. I think this is something that can really jolt a franchise. So you surround these players around Shane Wright. You're starting to assemble this team from the ground up. And I think you're in a position, if you're Shane Wright, where you can really flourish because the Devils don't have this increasing... The Devils have this increasing pressure to win because they've been getting all these assets, but they're still bad. Montreal is Montreal, and if you're doing bad, it could easily eat you alive. Look at the number one centers before... Jonathan drew in uh, to name one and look how it turned out for them. If you don't handle the pressure well, it's not going to be a fun time. And then you've got Arizona where <laughs> they're playing in an NCAA size ring. Right. And they're the laughing stock of the league, basically. In Seattle, you have time to grow. You have time to develop. You have the opportunity to make mistakes and not get eaten alive for making them. If you're Shane Wright, this is honestly the best position you could have gone. And this could be a Kale McCarr situation where the best player goes fourth overall. I really do believe that. Yeah. And I will, I will compliment Shane Wright's strengths here. In his rookie season in the OHL, he ranked 12th in faceoffs taken. He was a rookie in 2019-2020. Yeah. And this was a guy, exceptional status, going to a bad, bad, bad Kingston team and Shane Wright puts up 60 plus points 39 goals um, I think near 200 shots well and then this year this is again after one full season of no OHL hockey because of COVID-19 he was 8th in points with 94 32 goals in 63 games 260 shots near the top of the leaderboard in faceoffs again. And while Kingston got better and he wasn't the top scorer, it's pretty clear who was driving the boat in Kingston. He is the closest thing to a sure thing number one center in this draft class, and he's going to prove it in Seattle. Yep. So it's I, I think for Shane Wright, it worked out for the best. Also, if you think Shane Wright is too nice, uh, look at the gif uh, yeah. when he was picked and the desk he gave to... Uh, the Habs draft table. Right. Um, I think there was a mean streak uh, to his game there. Yeah. But afterward, uh, after his uh, draft interview with Steve Dangle, uh, later in the, the draft day coverage, uh, he gave Steve uh, a thumbs up as he was walking by. So I think after it settled in that he was a Seattle Kraken, it was a, it was a pretty big night for Shane Wright, and he enjoyed the moment a lot. Yeah, I was about to say that Death Stare, it's like, like, that's just, like, if you want to have, like, a chip on his shoulder, it's like, <laughs> if you want to give a guy a grudge. Yeah. That, I think, is what yeah. will take Shane right to the next level, yeah. is that experience. Right. Okay, maybe I'm not the best player yet, and this is what I needed to kind of jolt my system and to kind of wake me right. up that, hey, yeah. not everything is given to you, and you got to work for right, it. Right, right. But I, I still, yeah, so, like, yeah, I, I, I still, it's just... I don't know. It, it felt like it's just a crazy like thing. Like we we all thought like okay, they they're definitely taking Shane Wright. Like they're just like messing with us cuz like this happened with Aaron Ekblad 
uh, with Florida, like they kind of like were teasing that they were going to trade the pick or something like that, but they ended up taking Aaron Ekblad. So we kind of thought it was something similar to that, but then you're just like, okay, they're, they're taking Shane Wright. It's like, we, this is all smokescreen or whatever. And yeah, they ended yeah. up taking it. But yeah, you're, you're they, totally... They did the thing, yeah. Yeah, they actually did the thing. Um, but you, yeah, you're totally right in the fact that like, I, like I, I, this is not a knock on Slavkovsky. This is not a knock on Nimich. This is not a knock on Cooley. Um, it's just like, like I, 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 I don't know. Like I, I still am just so confused as to why uh, these teams just didn't pick it. Like, and I, I can take an exception for New Jersey and not taking Chain right because they have their center. Um, they have their center depth already lined up, so I totally get it. But, like, Arizona needs centers. And, yeah, as you're saying, they probably didn't even expect Shane Wright to be available back then. But, uh, like, when Shane Wright falls into your lap, you take it. Like, there's, like, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, and, like, Montreal has been looking for a center. You're not going to, like, like, yeah, they did end up trading uh, for Kirby Doc we'll see um and and all that stuff but like that was another reason why montreal wasn't good last year they they pretty much just had nick suzuki they went up and traded for uh christian dvorak christian dvorak didn't meet expectations um it's just like like so like like the, the beauty of the draft is that you can get these guys for virtually free and um you know, obviously you're eventually gonna have to pay them but like, just the fact that, like, Montreal is still going to have some center depth issues, no matter how good Kirby Doc is, even if they do get Pierre-Luc Dubois, that's not a sure thing either. So it's just like, like, what are they doing? I, I don't, I don't really understand it. Um, and yeah, you're, you're totally right too. I think, like, this is, this is perfect for Seattle. Like, of, of those four teams, Seattle is the perfect location for Shane Wright. Uh, to be at just because as you're saying it is low expectations and like you know the and and this could be the guy that like yeah Matty Beneers was going to be the face of the franchise and he still probably will be um he's captain material and all that stuff but Shane Wright's going to be your best player for for many years and he's like the most guaranteed person who's going to be good of anyone in this draft um so um, yeah, I, I just, I don't understand it, but at least I'm happy that I, I don't have to root against him. Uh, like, you know, Montreal messed up. Like, <laughs> I, I can, like, I, I mean, maybe I'm being cocky and maybe Montreal is onto something, but at the same time, it's just like, I, 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 I want to like in like five years time to be able to make fun of Montreal for, for losing out on Shane Wright, the easy decision. The real test is going to be when the Habs are good and they're ready to win, yeah. and whether or not the only thing that's still holding them back is a number one center. <laughs> that would like, be, imagine the Habs really make funny. it to the conference finals or the Stanley Cup finals, right. and where they lost the battle yeah. is our number one center got outplayed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, well, you could add Shane Wright, or and you took Slavkovsky, might who might be good. He right. might be your best player, but he's not the center. Right. He's not the center you were looking for. Right. Shane Wright was right there. And right. Or even better, it's like they meet Seattle in the Stanley Cup Finals or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that would be right. classic hockey karma. Yeah, yeah, but again, yeah, yeah. the the Habs are willing to live with their consequences, yeah, yeah. and uh, I I'm not going to let the fact that they missed Shane Wright ruin their trap. Uh, yeah, and I'll explain a bit later. Uh, sure. Montreal uh, picked some good. Yeah, yeah, they they actually ended up having a pretty good trap. Uh, and and it, also again, it should be noted before we go any further, Brett. Did yep. you notice that uh, two Slovakians uh, were the first two picks? I mentioned that. I don't that. know. I'm pretty sure that's never happened in NHL history where Slovakia went one and two. Uh, that was actually the first thing I said. Uh, that like, oh, okay. It's yeah, the first okay. time. Yeah, it's the first time. Not only that that's, a that's Slovakian. That's my memory. But yeah, I feel like that was historic. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Um, they, all right. they also picked uh, Philip Maser as uh, his Slovakian teammate. Yep. And uh, he was middle of the interview. And... He was just like, I want to go see him. Like, yeah. He was super thrilled that uh, that uh, the Habs picked his teammates. Yeah, I, I think I saw that too. Um, in terms of any other shockers, um, and then we'll get into winners and losers. Um, I thought it was surprising that uh, Joachim Kemmel um, ended up going 17th. Uh, for a while, like early on in the season, he was on like a record pace in Liga um, uh, like, and, uh, just like on a Patrick line, type level, um, in that league. And then, um, yeah, I guess he kind of cooled off a little bit, but, um, but still, I thought that would be enough to be a top 10 pick, but yeah, no, he, he ends up going to 17th to Nashville. So I thought that was surprising. Uh, he's kind of like my, like, uh, wild card pick to be like the, the best player in the draft besides Shane, right? But um, but I, I, I think I could see uh, a world where um, teams really, really missed out on Joachim Kemmel. Um, another one that was kind of surprising, but also not really, uh, Brad Lambert. Um, he was kind of like a Shane Wright in a way that he's been hyped up for so long that people kind of have like um, nitpicked his, his game a bit. Um, and I was, I, I thought like, yeah, so I, I kept on seeing all these different mock drafts that had him in the twenties. Um, but I, I didn't think that he would go out of the first round, which he didn't end up going. He ended up going 30th to Winnipeg. Um, and I can understand why he ended up having four points in 25 games for, uh, in the Liga, but, um, but it, and maybe that's part of it is just due to like low ice time, but um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a little bit strange that like Lambert didn't um, was was picked so low uh, to thirtieth because it's like you you see like the guy ahead of him, uh, Maverick Lamaru, um, was like who's a defenseman. He ends up having like twenty four points in fifty four games. Philip Bystead, who I've never even heard of or I haven't even seen them on any of these lists. Uh, Misar, who you're talking about, like, yeah, he's, he's decent, but like, there's a lot of these guys who are just like, wait, what? Uh, like, why, why is, uh, why isn't Lambert being picked? So that one was a little strange. Um, other ones, um, I, I was watched, this was a little bit of day two stuff. Um, Jack Devine, uh, who's a, uh, who went to Denver, um, uh, the University of Denver. Uh, he ended up having a, a pretty good season for them. Uh, 18 points in 35 games, which isn't bad for a depth role. Um, uh, for reference, there's another Jack Hughes who went ended up going in the second round. Um, and he uh, and Jack Devine actually had a better season than uh, Jack Hughes. 
So I, like, uh, a lot of mock drafts, and it's not just me who was confused by this whole thing, uh, but, like, Divine, um, a lot of lists that I was looking at had him at going in, the, like, the late seconds or the early thirds, and I was just thinking, like, something's up, where I was just so confused, because I was just, what, like, I usually don't really care about day two draft day stuff, so I'm just, like, you know, I was just in and out all the time, but, I, like, for a while, I was just so confused. Like, the Bruins were picking a couple times. I was just like, okay, maybe they will make the right choice and pick Jack Devine. I, like, yeah, and, and to be fair, yes, I, I totally get it. Like, you know, like, uh, 18 points in 35 games doesn't scream out at you. But, like, like, and it's not like a Jack Eichel-type season at BU. It's not Noah Hannafin, um, another example, or some of the, or even, like, uh, Matty Beniers last year at Michigan, but like, like still like 51 points per game or 0.51 points per game is like nothing to sneeze at, um, in college, um, which is like, you know, where, like in a league that has a bunch of 22 year olds, um, a 21 year olds. So that, that part, I was just confused that he ended up going all the way to the seventh round as like one of the last picks in the draft. I, I didn't, I don't, still don't really understand what's going on there. Um, and then the other two, and then I'll pick it to you for other surprises. I'm sorry if I took some of your surprises here. Um, but uh, Marco Casper um, ends up going eighth overall uh, to Detroit. Uh, this is one of those things, I mean, I feel like we were saying the same thing about, like, um, Mort Sider when that happened, or, uh, or even Edvinson, um, and he's turned out to be pretty good, so it's like, I, I've learned not to question, um, Detroit's and Steve Eisenman. Yeah, is it really job. a shocker if Eisenman yeah. makes the pick? But at the same time, it's like, Marco Casper had 11 points in 46 games, um, for the Swedish Hockey League. Apparently, he's really good defensively, and I had heard his name before, so it's not like a like a Zach Seneshin-type situation, but like, or a Tyler Boucher-type situation. But um, but yeah, this this was a little odd that you have him in the top 10, um, especially since Matthew Savoy um, was the next pick, um, who should be pretty good. Um, and then um, the other one, which I guess isn't really necessarily a shocker, but, um, and I'm going to butcher his last name for sure, but Ivan Miroshenchenko, who go, ends up going to Washington. Um, we were talking about earlier on about, like, how Russia, like, there, there is this clear, unclear uncertainty with all these Russian players. Um, and yes, Pavel Mintikov and Denton Matejchuk, um, also are Russian, but they played in the CHL. Um, so this was like the first Russian who was taken, um, who went, who played in a Russian league. And there's still some things. Um, he also had 16 points in 31 games. He also has quite a story too, because he was diagnosed with lymphin, um, lymphoma. So that was, um, that was interesting, but like, yeah, even still, sixteen points in thirty-one games for the in the VHL is not too bad. Um, so, um, yeah, and, and of course, it's like Washington, um, the Capitals pick him. So it's like the uh, the Capitals have some sway 
with uh, Russian players, um, for sure, just because of Ovechkin and Kuznetsov um, and Samsonov. But um, so, so I, I am curious, like, maybe we are seeing, like, an Ovechkin of the future with that pick. Um, and that was kind of surprising that it, like, took that long for him to be drafted. But, yeah, th- that was my list that stood out to me of, like, surprising things. And then we'll get into winners and losers. Probably as shocking is that uh, Chicago had zero first-round picks and ended yep. up with three. Right, <laughs> right. Just, just heading into the draft day, yep. I didn't expect them to have that many, and uh, here they are. Uh, Arizona getting Connor Geeky, 11th overall. Sneaky good pick there. That's that a bit of a shocker. Uh, on top of getting Logan Cooley as well. That's a pretty impressive first round. Um, in terms of other shockers... Um, more for the lulls, but uh, Vancouver drafting a Swedish defenseman named Elias Peterson. Yep. Spelt the same way. But he's a defenseman. <laughs> and in case in case you're wondering, he's never met the other Elias Peterson in his life. And he's uh, they're not. And he's also a defenseman too. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. oh well, it's the City Twins all over again. Yeah. You can't even put E. Peterson because. Right. They have the same first name, yeah, I don't so know how they're gonna do it's that. It's a yeah. thing, one thing, two scenario all over again. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they're gonna do that if he ends up coming to the NHL. But yeah, I felt like they drafted him purely because of like the fact that like they have the same name. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's not that he's a bad player or anything like that, but I, I'm sure that that came up. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of... Oh, and, and we did mention Jack Hughes also uh, gets yeah. picked too, but uh, he, he the Devils don't draft him. It's the uh, the LA Kings. Yeah. yeah, neither did the Habs. Uh, yeah. His father is the right. team of the Habs. Can't right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, um, and they had chances to do so too. Yeah. Um, the other one that really stunned me, and uh, we're going to go back to the Seattle Kraken again, and that's, that's how you know they had a good draft. Round 3, 68th overall, they took Ty Nelson, a right-handed defenseman who played yep. for the North Bay Battalion. This is, like Shane Wright, a first overall pick in his OHL draft year. And this is a guy that entered the North Bay Battalion. Uh, when he was drafted, obviously, North Bay wasn't very good. There was the full year of no OHL hockey because, again, COVID-19 messed everything up. Uh, in his first season, and this guy isn't even six foot tall, but he made a monster impact. 50-plus points um, in, a, I think it was like 64, 68 games. Uh, as a rookie, 200-plus shots for a defense, and that's absolutely ridiculous. Remember Brett's... Um, in the middle of the OHL season, I showed you a clip of uh, the North Bay defenseman shooting a puck. It hits the post, and the puck splits in half. Uh, sounds familiar, I guess. No, actually, yeah, I don't that know. Was if Ty you know. Oh wow! Okay, cool. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And uh, he he went 68th overall to the Seattle Kraken. A sneaky good pick uh, by Seattle there too. Yeah, yeah. I'm stunned that uh, it wasn't even a second round pick. Uh, he's. He's got NHL potential, I think. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those were the those were the shockers that stuck out to, to me. Okay, um, so it's hard to do like winners and losers in the draft because like oh, that's like the whole purpose of the draft is everyone has these potentials and, and all that stuff. So, 
but uh, mm-hmm. but we we figured it'll be fun. I do have a, a full list of different teams, um, so I'll allow you to go first on who are your what teams were winners in the draft. All right, well, we'll start with uh, Seattle. Uh, yep. They get Shane Wright at number four. Uh, Jagger Furkus uh, with thirty uh, fifth overall. Uh, fun name, but also a guy that uh, could have a future in the NHL. Uh, then you go into round three, as I mentioned, they get a Nelson. Uh, he was their, let's see, he was their sixth pick of the draft. Wow. Yeah. So wasn't even taken with any of the f- uh, four second round picks. Um, and Shane Wright was their only pick in the first round. He was still there in the third round and they took him. And then down the line, you have Tucker Robertson, a forward uh, for the Peterborough Peets. He goes... 123rd overall in round four. Peter Bro, similar to the Ottawa 67s, was this giant, this absolute titan, gunning for an OHL championship. They had the roster to do it. They had the likes of Akil Thomas, Simeon Dargachinsev. In goal, they had Hunter Jones as well. Tremendous, tremendous team. And obviously, with COVID-19, losing guys because of age restrictions they're a very young team they're not expected to do much they sneak through the back door in the playoffs and tucker robertson emerges as a 40 goal scorer and the seattle kraken got him in the fourth round so he could be another depth piece uh for the kraken with nhl upside and if they play their cards right development wise this could be a draft that catapults a team into Stanley Cup contenders for years to come. Yep. I really think this draft could be that strong for Seattle. So yep. watch out for the Kraken and remember this draft. Uh, it could be huge for them. Um, Montreal, I liked what they did. Obviously, getting the first overall pick, doing their due diligence, and landing Slipkowski first overall. They get his teammate Philip. Uh, they get his teammate Philip Maser, a right winger from Slovakia. 26 overall that pick they got in the Tyler Toffoli trade uh, a little bit down the line uh, they land uh, Lane Hudson I know uh, that uh, caught your attention as yep. well uh, and in round three which uh, caught my attention because he was the only Ottawa 67s player taken in this draft Vinny War, an <laughs> Austrian center goes 75th overall round three uh, uh, Montreal Canadiens pick Again, similar to Peterborough, Ottawa's a young team, lost a lot of guys due to age restrictions. They have a very young team. They're relying on a lot of rookies. And this guy emerges as one of their leading scorers, 25 goals, 48 points in just 64 games. And he adds a goal and three assists in uh, four playoff games. Sadly, the Barber Bulls got swept by North Bay, so they didn't last very long. But in the games that they played, Vinny Rohr really stood out, also has a bit of grit and sandpaper to his game. So um, the fact that they got him in the third round is uh, pretty impressive. So I like what Montreal did. Uh, I also like what Arizona did using some of their picks to go up to number 11 because originally San Jose had that pick, but they moved three of the picks that uh, they already had to move up uh, to 11th overall. Um, so nice asset management uh, by Bill Armstrong there. I liked what they did uh, in the lower rounds as well. That was pretty impressive. Uh, in terms of other teams that uh, impressed, uh, 
given the fact that Tampa Bay wasn't expected to do much, the fact that they got Lucas Edmonds just for the sake of bargain acquisitions, uh, I think I I like what Tampa Bay did there. Uh, And uh, Toronto uh, in round four, they got a goaltender that was passed over in the previous draft and was uh, expected to be one of uh, the goalies to watch in this year's draft. He ends up going in the fourth round, I believe. Uh, So pretty tidy business uh, for them. Hildeby is his name, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe that's it. Um, So, yeah, I I liked uh, what uh, the Leafs did. But uh, also, uh, shout out to uh, the Buffalo Sabres, who got Matthew Savoie ninth overall. Yep. Uh, that's a very, very nice ad by them, and I also liked uh, what uh, they did uh, in uh, in the in the later rounds of the draft too. That that uh, could be a draft to look back on uh, for the Sabers uh, as uh, something that spearheads yep. the rebuild and gets them into contender status uh, down the road. So, yep. yeah, there were a couple of teams that impressed me. There were others that were just like, eh, they did okay. Um, but they didn't really blow me away with uh, some of the selections that they had. So, right. um, yeah, there, there weren't any, I wouldn't say there were any clear-cut losers, um, but uh, there were a handful of yeah. teams that uh, really got my attention. Well, we'll get into losers in a second. Um, yeah, I had a similar list to you. Um, I will also go with your team as a winner, just purely because they ended up getting Alex DeBrincat. Um I yeah, also, that's true. Yeah, it's they like, didn't win at the draft, but yeah. uh, they they, yeah. they use some of their assets I mean, to hey, get a big name player. It, so it counts. counts. It counts. Like yeah, it's like maybe Kevin Kurczynski could end up being something, but um, but I like it's not a guarantee that that it could yeah. be. I feel like that price tag would be bigger if we went with Kevin Fiala. So amazing yeah. uh, what happens true. when one door closes. Totally. Yeah. Good point. Or also the fact that like. Um, Matt Murray was going to like, like next to trade going to Columbus, and I would have involved the seventh pick. I think it was Buffalo, but yeah, yeah, or something like that. And like, if Matt Murray did didn't do that, then like this whole thing wouldn't would have fallen apart. But yeah, um, also from a draft perspective, I also um, am a big fan of Stephen Holiday, who they uh, Ottawa drafted in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has 95 points in 62 games for the, in the USHL. Um, so, um, and uh, yeah, he, he might end up being pretty good. He's going to Ohio State. Um, it was interesting too. I was just uh, like noticing Ottawa's like list. Um, but like uh, Cam O'Neill, Theo Wahlberg, and uh, Kevin Riedler, they're all going to be like long-term projects, but um, but they could end up being pretty good because they had. Do you know that this this guy named Cam O'Neill? Um, I I never even heard of this league, but it's eighteen under AAA, um, and he ended up having hundred and thirty three points in sixty two games. <laughs> like, it's nuts. Fifty seven goals, by the way, near yeah, a goal per game. Crazy, and, he, and he's playing for UMass in two years. So um, I so I, it's like an interesting like strategy for Ottawa is to like. Pick yeah. players who are when, going when you to like. Consider the eventually. picks that yeah. they had and yep. uh, the assets they had to work yep. with. I, I exactly. think the Sens did good. They yep. didn't have to hit home run picks, but yep. with the picks that they had, they made some good. And I, I think it's like there is some strategy to like if you're doing like long term projects, like okay, like yeah, let's just see how he does. Like <laughs> that's nothing to sneeze about, even if it's like a league I've never even heard of. So there was something. Yeah, they also about. didn't pick until yeah. pick number sixty four. True. True. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, a Montreal you mentioned. I, I do like Slavkovsky, but um, obviously I would have rather had Shane Wright instead. Lane Hudson I'm a huge fan of. I feel like he might be, like, low-key one of the best uh, um, defensemen in the in the draft. Um, Owen Beck I was also a fan of, um, and Philip Mazur. So credit where it's due, even though I hate the team. Um, I, I have to be objective here. Montreal did have a good draft. Um Seattle as well. I like Shane Wright, as I just mentioned. Jagger Fergus, um, he he also did pretty well. Uh, Ty Nelson, who you were mentioning about, so I, I will skip that. Um, and they also got this uh, goalie named Coco. Um, um, and he, uh, I, I was actually looking at his stats, and he um, he might actually end up being pretty decent for uh, for a while. It was, it, it was a tough year for, for goalies. Uh, Nicholas Coco. Um, in the under twenties um, in Finland, he has a two oh six GAA and a save percentage of nine fourteen. So, um, in twenty nine games, um, so that could be end up being something. But I I, I like that pick um, as well. Um, Columbus, I was surprised you didn't mention this. I'm uh, uh, Columbus had uh, David Yurchech um, um, in the sixth overall pick. Then in the 12th pick, they have uh, Denton Mintachuk. Uh, our dear friend Victor says that he might be the best defenseman in the draft. So He's uh, also Canadian, not Russian, by the way. Oh, did I? I, I, I thought, for some reason, I thought he was that Russian. That sounds Russian, but his birthplace okay. is Winnipeg, Manitoba. Oh, interesting. Okay. I thought he was, uh, I thought he was Russian. My, my bad. No, sorry. Canadian. Sorry. Sorry, Denton. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was good. Uh, Luca Del Bel Belize, um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, his name. that rolls off the tongue exactly. very, very well. <laughs> it, it, it'll, be, it'll be fun if he ends up being in the league. It's like, I, He's got to have an awesome goal call, like yeah. like some like European yeah. soccer would go nuts for. Or that. like some something like Hell's Bells or something, um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'll be in, but but yeah, he's also a pretty good player too, not just has a cool name. Um, so mm-hmm. so there's that. Um, and lastly, Jordan Dumay. Uh, they were saying in the draft, uh, so they ended up taking him 96. He played for Halifax. They ended up saying that like he ended up having like 30 points in the last like 10 games of uh, the season or something like that. And I was just like, how is that even possible? So. Um, and like, and if that is possible, why was he a third round pick? <laughs> like that's that's nuts. So um, so yeah. In the McKinnon country, anything yeah, yeah. is possible in Halifax. Exactly. Man. Yeah, that's true. I also There's like something in the yeah. water. I also like the fact that they uh, they drafted a fellow Massachusetts native, uh, James Fisher, uh, and he might and he he played for Belmont, which is a nearby town in Boston. So. Um, so I, I, I just like that for a homer pick that would <laughs> a literal homer pick here, and they also there ended up getting. There was also a guy surgery. that I can't remember who yep. took him, but there was a Michael Fisher that was selected. Yeah, I, I forget who picked him, but yeah, that that sounds familiar. Um, and then I also like the goalie that they picked, Sergey uh, Ivanov. Um, he uh, mm. plays for he went to the MHL. Um, and he had a twenty in twenty six games. He had a two seventeen GAA and a save percentage of nine twenty eight. So that's not bad for an MHL player, um, a goalie. Um, let's see here, uh, Minnesota. I liked what they did. Liam Ogren, a very underrated player. Um, 
I think I, I liked what they were doing there. Danilo, you're off. Um, although his stats don't align, I, I know a lot of friends who are excited about you're off. Um, yeah, so, Minnesota, I've, I've heard a yeah. lot of people say Minnesota had a low-key, very yeah. good draft. And also, uh, I, I was looking at the uh, this these stats earlier on, but Rieger Lawrence, who they got in the second round, uh, he he went to the same place that uh, Kel McCarr did in the AJHL. Um, but yeah, he had 85 points in 60 games. He's not a defenseman, though. He's a left winger. But, uh, but maybe that's someone to, to take an eye on. Um, but yeah, Minnesota they, they, Minnesota knows how to draft, so that was good. Uh, Buffalo, you yeah. mentioned... Uh, sorry. What another one uh, from Minnesota, just quickly, another left yeah. winger, Michael Milne. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 81 points and 31, 38 goals, sorry, in yeah. 68 games with the Winnipeg Ice. And in the playoffs, 13 goals in 15 games. Yep. Um, I was interested, intrigued by Buffalo, um, uh, Matthew Savoy. Uh, so they had uh, three first-round picks, um, and they were all centers. Um, but um, but they're they're all like decent centers. Matthew Savoy, um, who we talked about, Noah Ostlin, um, who ended up having thirty-three points, uh, thirty-three assists in thirty-two games. Um, he played on the same team as. That was the other thing that was kind of funny. Uh, like, Drew Garden ended up having three uh, players on that team uh, picked um, in the first round. And uh, Oslin, Ogren, and then blanking on the other guy. But, um, but like, 33 assists in 32 games. Uh, I feel like uh, uh, assists are kind of, like, underrated um, in, the, in this league. But that's just, you know, that's pretty good to uh, have more assists than games played. Um, and I also like Yuri Kulich, um, Kulik, um, I think that's how you actually pronounce his last name, and Tobias Leninen, who's a goalie. Um, he may end up being the best goalie in this draft. Uh, he has a 2.28 GAA and a save percentage of 916. Um, and lastly, I do want to mention, or I guess I have two more, but uh, Chicago actually did have a decent draft, even though it's like we are critical of the DeBrincat uh, trade and the Kirby Doc stuff. But um, well, they did end up, you know, like Frank Nazar is a pretty good prospect for them. Uh, Kevin Korczynski, um was also decent. Hold on, let me just pull up their stats here. Uh, Frank Nazar had 76 points in 56 games. Um, and then Korczynski had 65 points in 62 games as a defenseman. Uh, so I like that. And then they also drafted uh, Sam Rinzel, um, who, uh, who played a little bit in, the U, uh, in high school, but he also played in the USHL. Um, and that's like, and he was like, I saw him in a couple mock draft stuff, but he low key could be pretty good too. Um, but he might be a while before uh, we actually see him. Um, and then lastly, as you mentioned, I do like Isaac Howard, uh, or Tampa, sorry. Um, I do like Isaac Howard. Um, Lucas Edmonds might be, like, he's an overager. Connor Kurth is an overager. And Nick Malik, I kept on hearing his name, but um, he's a, he's another goalie, but, uh, but he's also an overager. So I, I found that interesting that Tampa just went with a lot of overagers um, in the later rounds. Um, and they, they could end up being good. And it's like, you know, it's nothing wrong with overagers. And in fact, it just means that they might be in the league a lot sooner than a lot of these other guys. So 
Yeah. It was something and I feel like Tampa, you know, the, like a couple of years of development couldn't yeah. hurt because they don't need these guys right yeah. away. Um, but you, you just have a feeling it's just like, well, it's, it's similar to the Steve Eisman effect. Like, even yeah. though he's not there, Tampa's front office is still one of the best in the league, and it's finding diamonds in a rough, like a Ross Colton, yeah. who has emerged into right. an everyday NHL player for them. And he's big, kind of a solid bottom six forward. And, yeah. and who knows, maybe something bigger than that down the line. Yeah. Maybe Lucas Edmonds is the future top six forward. Who, who really yeah. knows? And at the end of the day, in his overage season, he didn't really play in the OHL prior to this, and he put up 113 points. Granted, Shane Wright was on there, and there were a lot of guys on Kingston that had good years, but 113 points, I'm pretty sure that was tops on the team and also near the top of the league. Yeah. Um, so it was a very good season for him, and uh, he, he shows that he can set up people, put pucks in the net. He, 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 can, he can play in the league. And yeah. At the very least, uh, that that's good enough to get him a spot, and you'll uh, probably get a, a lot of AHL experience. Um, and I think with uh, Tampa Bay relying on some of the youth movement uh, starting next year because of the cap crunch, you'll definitely get a lot of opportunities in Syracuse to succeed as well. Yep, yep. Um, all right. Uh, in terms of what teams were losers. Um, I, I have a few. Uh, one is like, and and it's not like no fault to their own, just because they don't have a ton of, like these teams just didn't have a ton of picks, and um, a couple of them didn't even have a first round pick. But um, I'm gonna have to start off with Vegas. Um, the only one that was notable was this guy. Uh, the the only pick that was notable was their fourth round pick, Cam Whitehead, who is a goalie. But then when I looked at his stats, he ended up having like a 892 save percentage and a 319 GAA um, in 31 games. Uh, so I was, I'm just like, what are we doing here? In the USHL, it's like, I don't know. It, that, that felt odd to me. Um, Edmonton. I will say there, there was a dark horse, Patrick, uh, Patrick Gay, um, who uh, had a very good season for the Charlottetown Islanders. 55 okay. goals, 104 points in 68 games. And the playoffs, 28 points, 13 goals, and just 15 games played. Yeah. Uh, they Their run came up short in the finals, but he was a key player for them. Now, obviously, an overager, he's 20. But again, a big breakout season for him. He had some decent seasons before that yeah. uh, in Sherbrooke as well. Um, so there, there could be some upside there. And given the fact that they got him in the later rounds, it's a low-risk, high-reward pick. But you're right. Outside of that and the pick that you mentioned, uh, Vegas was pretty quiet. Yep. Uh, Edmonton uh, was another one that stood out. This was actually a first-round pick, um, but they ended up taking Reed Schaefer. Um, And and granted, this was the uh, 32nd overall pick. They traded down a little bit, so maybe they were expecting it to. So at least they got something. But, like... This was, they also got Zach Cassian. Uh, they got rid of Zach yeah, Cassian's true. contract. Fair, on fair. Top yeah. Of that. So I think that was the real win for them in that. Yeah, game. I guess that's true. But like the guy they dra- ended up drafting, it was just kind of strange because they could have ended up getting like a lot of the guys that we mentioned that ended up going in the <laughs> later rounds. But yeah, they they ended up picking Reed Schaefer, and he had like 58 points in 66 games for Seattle. Apparently, he's a bit of a power forward, and you never know with those guys. At the same time, they have like he's a like a he's a left winger, um, 
which is the same position as Dylan Holloway and Carter Savoy. So it's just like, or like, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins or something like that. So it's like, at that point, it's just like, what are you, like, if you're going to draft, you don't need like a left winger. Like, I understand why they didn't draft a goaltender because that's obviously what they actually need. But like, maybe. And they you, did draft a yep. goalie in the fifth round. Right. <laughs> but like, maybe you go with and, Lane and Hudson. He's Swedish too. Yeah. He's not Walstead, but he's Swedish. Maybe you do go with like uh, Lane Hudson or Seamus Casey or um, there was another one that I'm uh, who ended up going. But uh, they could Ryan even Chesley. Go with Ty Nelson, who was yeah. in the third round. Ty Nelson, Ryan Chesley. Uh, so it's just like, yeah, I, I don't understand why they were doing that. But uh, so that was, uh, I was just confused why they did that. If you have a first round pick, just like, why, why are you doing that? Um, Calgary, uh, the, I guess to be fair to Calgary, they, I think they only had one pick and that was they in had, the... They had uh, three picks, uh, round two, round five, and round seven. But uh, yeah, their second round pick was Topi Rani. Um and he's in the MHL. He might be decent, but I don't know. I felt like that was a strange pick for them. Um, sorry, sorry. He was in the Finnish league, um, the under twenties Finnish league. Uh, Twenty nine points in 30, uh, 30 games. I don't know. It's just uh, it was a strange one there. Uh, the and then so I I talked about actual teams in the playoffs. Uh, the one that didn't make sense to me was San Jose. Uh, they ended up. Uh, they actually ended up having a decent draft. Uh, Cameron Lund, uh, most notably, um, who might end up being pretty good, but he's like a long-term pick. But their first, um, their first round pick was Philip Bystead, um, who had forty-nine points in forty games uh, for Sweden. It but, should also be yeah. sorry to interrupt, Brett. It should also yeah. be noted they had a pick at eleven, but they traded yeah. it to Arizona so they could. Uh, they could get three picks instead of the just one. Right. So, so like they, even they could have had a pick at near the top ten yeah. at worst top fifteen. But even but they moved it to, to the Coyotes. Yeah, but even still, it was just like, like why are you taking this guy? Like I I kept on looking at all these like mock drafts, and then when he was drafted, I was just saying like I've never heard of this guy. So I looked at all back at all my like draft mock drafts and all my all the rankings that I was seeing, and I was just like. Like none of them had this guy on on their list, so it's just like, what what what's San Jose doing at this point? And yeah, you're right. They, it's, they, it's it's important yeah. because when you're cash strapped, yeah. you're near cap hell, and you're right. trying to get out of it. These drafts are all the more important. Right. They're not really in a position to give up on a top fifteen pick. But but up. like this was a twenty seventh overall pick. I think they actually traded down from eleven to twenty seven. So it's just like twenty-seven uh, originally belonged to Carolina. Okay, right. no, it was part of the trade. You're right. right. You're you're right. So, but yeah, Connor Geeky was selected eleventh overall yeah. either way. So like, would right. you rather Philip Bystead or Connor Geeky? Connor Geeky, yeah. So I I don't know. Yeah. I don't get what San Jose was doing um, there. And also like, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, yeah, Luke Coonan can hit and stuff. Um, and. Who knows what John Leonard was doing? I, I didn't understand that trade from either side, but whatever. Um, and then, yeah, I guess maybe I'm just hard on my own team, but Boston just needs to be said. I, there was no one that I was really impressed by. And as I was mentioning before, I was like, why aren't, like, why isn't any team taking Jack Devine? They would have easily been winners if they just had selected Jack Devine, but they didn't. So I, I can't say that. 
Um, I think uh, Matthew Poitras could be a, yeah. a decent pick for you He might guys. be okay, but I don't know. I felt like there were other players that, was, that were better. That, that was a second-round pick. Yeah. That that was your earliest pick. Yeah, so. and and Cole, Cole Spicer might be decent. Frederick Brunet, um, who they ended up getting in the fifth round, might be okay. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I was kind of disappointed with, with their draft, but I'm always disappointed with them. So, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, do you have any other losers that I did not mention? No, I think we pretty much uh, covered uh, the losers sure. there. All right. Now the losers for free agency, that'll right. be interesting. To yeah. yeah. Because that, that'll be more clear. That takes us to our next question and our last question. I know that we're running long, but who cares? Um, yeah. Teams to watch for free agency comes on Wednesday. What is the team that you're going to watch? Or the, the team to watch out for that's going to make the most moves or the least moves or just sort of like we're going to be curious to see what they're going to do. Okay. Um, so, okay. I, I, you. This was your question, by the way. <laughs> you should yeah. be familiar. No, no, for sure. Um, I mentioned it earlier. Um, Carolina's up to something. Yep. They have Martin. They have Martin Netches as uh, as an RFA. They have Max Domi as a UFA. Nino Niederreiter, Derek Stepan, Brinson Trocheck. They don't have to pay Tony D'Angelo because they traded him away. Ian Cole and Brendan Smith are also UFAs. Ethan Bear is an arbitration eligible RFA as well. Uh, and they have one more year of of Jake Gardner. They could go out and either trade for a short-term piece like JT Miller or I don't think Patrick Kane would really want to go to Carolina. I don't feel like that would be a Patrick Kane destination, but I can definitely see a JT Miller trade uh, happening there. Maybe they go out and sign another big-name free agent. doesn't have to necessarily be Johnny Gaudreau. Um, they're pretty good down the middle, so I don't think Nazem Kadri would be a fit. But there, there are a lot of possibilities. John Kleinberg, I mentioned uh, on the back end, if they're looking for a power play quarterback and they don't think it's Brady Shea, maybe uh, John Kleinberg is is the guy they commit to. But the bottom line is they have cap space to do a variety of different things, and I'm interested to see how they utilize it. So for that reason. Carolina is one of the main teams that I'm watching. Philadelphia, if the rumors are true and like the rumors that people have conjured up, like Johnny Gaudreau going home, he's going to be a Philadelphia Flyer. He's going to sign a massive long-term deal to go to Philly. Um, If that's still going to be a possibility, I think we're going to find out in the next couple of days because after the Flyers traded for Tony D'Angelo and then signed him to a $5 million cap hit for the next two years. And they also extended Ristolainen, and they have a lot of money committed to a lot of guys. They would have to move out some money in order to make that Johnny Goudreau contract happen. And they're not going to get full value for yeah. those guys if they sign Johnny Goudreau first and everyone knows, okay, they got to clear up cap space. We're not going to give them full value because they know they're screwed. Yep. Um, I think those moves happen before Wednesday. If they're that serious in getting Johnny Gaudreau, maybe it's a buyout of James Van Riemsdyk. Maybe they trade Travis Konechny. 
or they do something else, who really knows. But I feel if the Flyers are going to go all in for Johnny Gaudreau and make a serious push to get him, I feel if they're that confident they're going to get him, those moves will happen before Wednesday. Obviously, Toronto, what they do with their goaltending situation, what happens with Jack Campbell at the time we're talking right now, uh, the talks have been friendly, but they haven't been progressive, so it looks like Campbell might hit the open market. Um, obviously, if they wanted to go for a free agent goalie, Darcy Kemper is their best option. However, it should be noted that uh, throughout the playoffs, he saw an optometrist. Uh, he had to retrain his eyes. Yeah. Um, so depending on how that um, eye injury, I suppose, um, is faring, uh, that could impact uh, whether or not Toronto is willing to sign him if they do for how long we'll see um, but they also have uh, some cap logistics to work out so I'm interested to see what the next few days bring for the Maple Leafs same with the Colorado Avalanche uh, as we mentioned Nazan Kadri free agent we know that Kemper is gone uh, but they also have Andre Burakovsky, uh, Valerie Nachushkin, and Josh Manson who it's rumored he might go back to California now that he has a Stanley Cup um, even though I think Colorado is better off keeping him, interested to see uh, what they do on that front. Uh, uh, if there's any progressive talks towards a Nathan McKinnon contract, if that happens in the early stages of free agency, uh, I'm interested to see on the trade market if they lose a bunch of people to free agents, how they spend that cap space. Again, Patrick Kane, maybe they do it. Maybe they go for JT Miller. Who really knows? But they have the assets, the futures that teams like Vancouver and Chicago might want if they're willing to part with one of their star players. The Calgary Flames, obviously, with Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, what happens there? What happens with Andrew Mangiapane, Oliver Chillington, Nikita Zadorov? Uh, they've got some serious decisions to make. And uh, the last team that I'm going to talk about is the Minnesota Wilds. I mentioned, I think, in, pre in previous episodes, a couple episodes ago, Malkin to Minnesota, to me, seems like a fit. If they want a number one center for Kirill Kaprizov, um, we know that Malkin and Garen were teammates in 2009 when they won the Stanley Cup. Garen was a part of the Penguins' front office when they won back-to-back -back Stanley Cups, so he knows Gino very well. I don't know how buddy-buddy they are, if it would be a fit, but Minnesota needs a number one center. It's well documented. If Malkin wants to be the guy somewhere else, Minnesota would be the primary fit. But a lot of it also depends on what the heck happens with Kaprizov getting back to the States. Right. That's another thing uh, to keep in mind. I'm also interested to see what they do with Matt Dumba, if uh, yep. they want to keep him. That's a good one. And also yep. if... The Cam Talbot, if if things have simmered down and yep. the Flurry and Talbot is going to be the tandem. So yep. there's a fair bit of intrigue in Minnesota there. So uh, those are six teams right there yeah. that uh, I'm definitely keeping an eye on as we head into So I, I thought you were only going to list like one team, but yeah, you ended up going no. with six. <laughs> what do you think? Of yeah. course I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I should know by now. There are multiple teams. To be um, yeah, so I... Um, I, I, w I was going to say uh, Calgary, but you kind of touched on it, but I can go a little bit more in depth. Um, yeah, I'm just curious because the Calgary Flames made it to the playoffs last year, but uh, they have Manjipani, Kachuk, and Gaudreau to, uh, as free agents. Uh, they're, they're, you can't keep all three. 
they have 26 million left. So it's just, I'm gonna be curious because like this is their off season to figure out like what, um, like you know, because they made the playoffs, how do they maintain this when three of their core players are are like you know in jeopardy? Um, so I, I'll just be curious to see like it's very likely that Johnny Gaudreau leaves. Um, in fact, it, it, I think it's like in cer- certainty that he is. So I'm now going to be curious to see, like, how, okay, how how do they replace him? Uh, what are they going to do to uh, to to uh, pick up the 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 absence that Gaudreau is going to leave? Like, yeah, you're not going to 100% replace him with someone because there's no one available on the open market who will be able to do that. But maybe they do, like, or they. It's not like they can really like trade for JT Miller. Uh, just because they're in the same division as the Canucks, so um, yeah, I'll be. I'm just gonna be curious to see like what do they do once Gaudreau leaves. Like, uh, what 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 does their team look like post Gaudreau? Um, yeah, Edmonton, if it comes to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to come to that. I think that's <laughs> that's obvious. That, that's a prediction. Yeah. He flies the coop and he goes elsewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, you you alluded to that too. I, I'm like, yeah, if, especially since he's a UFA now. Um, like usually if you're like, you know, if, if you're like this close to free agency, you would have probably signed by now. Um, so yeah. Um, Edmonton Oilers just purely out of their like goaltender situation. It's like, they're going to, are they really going to roll it back with Mike Smith? Maybe they go out and get Darcy Kemper, but, uh, also they don't have a ton of cap space, 15 million. So it's like, what are they really going to do for a goaltender if, they can't get Darcy Kemper. Um, and then lastly, the Dallas Stars. Um, so they're, you know, it's it's probably good that they they won't have John Klingberg because uh, he wants eight by eight. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to be curious. And I'm just curious about this Jason Robertson contract. Um, they and have, Jake Edinger. And Jake Edinger too, yeah. So um, how, like, just like from, like, I don't think they're going to have some key free agent signings, but yeah, those two guys are guys that they need to sign and um, and they could end up screwing their future if they if they mess this up. So um, I think over the course of the off season Vancouver is gonna be one to watch out yeah. for just because we're not sure what's gonna happen with JT Miller. Yeah. Maybe Connor Carlin's on the block as well. Right. Um, how uh, Bo Horvat's a pending free agent after next season as well. Yep. Um, so, so there's that. Also, Seattle says they plan to be aggressive. I'm interested to see uh, what they do. Maybe the Islanders go after somebody. And also to toss in teams that uh, need to sell out what their debt's going to look like, Florida and the Rangers. I'm interested to see how they fill those. Yeah. I'll also, this is a homer pick, but uh, obviously, yeah. but I am curious of the Bruins just because, like, are they actually going to get a center? Uh, what What's going on? <laughs> Um, but yeah. we'll see. Um, if if Dominic Kubelik and Dylan Strom are out there and the Bruins don't land any big names, would you take one or both? Um, yeah, I would take Dylan Strom. Um, I, I believe Kubelik is a left winger. I know that, and he didn't really have a great season. I know that, like, Marshawn's going to be... Like he's gonna be out for at least half the year, I I yeah, so I, and it's like so then like you have to plan on like what 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 are you gonna do when uh, Marshawn gets back and you have Kubalik, Hall and Marshawn 
all on the same team. So, um, so I, I, I would be and and Jake DeBrusque who is rescinded his trade request. So I don't think we'll be in the market for Kubelik. Dylan Strom, I would welcome with open arms, but because um, like I, I feel like you are on to something that I think Kadri uh, might be too expensive. JT Miller uh, might be hard to trade for because we don't have the prospects. But yeah, if it's um, but it yeah or like Malkin, I don't think we're like kind of the same deal as Kadri. So. Um, so yeah, Dylan Strom, I, I think I like yeah, I, I I think there is something to the fact that like he's probably reliant on a line. But if you put him on the second line with Taylor Hall and David Pasternak, I like that's like the equivalent of having Patrick Kane and Alex Sabrinkat on your line. So um, I, I think he could really excel with the right line mates and we have those two guys, so I think I think that could could end up working out for them. Yeah, just as an anecdote to, before we wrap yeah. uh, as to what I would like to see the Ottawa Senators do, sure. um, please upgrade the defense. Um, Arden Zub and Thomas Shabbat can't do everything. I'm not sure if uh, Hamannick, Zaitsev, and Holden are the answer for uh, the rest of it. Um, preferably a defensive defenseman that can carry his own, calm under pressure, and just take the pressure off of everyone else, chew up minutes, if it takes a trade to make that happen, and likely because the defensive uh, prospects um, on the open market are so small, uh, particularly for what Ottawa needs, trade is probably the only way they get it, but upgrade the defense uh, however you can, please, Pierre Dorian. Um, in terms of guys that I would like to see Ottawa target, I, I don't know why, but I feel like Vinny Trocek could be a decent oh, be He's a guy that's pretty versatile uh, across the board, on forward. He can put up some points. He's a good locker room guy, a good team guy. And I think he would uh, I think he would fit well. And given the hype around this team now with the downtown arena back in the picture again, uh, that happened a couple weeks ago. Um, LeBreton Flats is, is back on. They have until fall 2023 to sort things out. Um, with all the positivity with the sense and the, the brink of trade, I think free agents are more inclined to give Ottawa a shot. And with all the young talent uh, in place there, uh, Vinny Trocek is the type of guy that we need. Um, in terms of bold swings, like, I don't know, Nazem Kadri. I wouldn't do that. Just, uh, I feel like Nazem Kadri is the type of guy, like a Phil Kessel, where, like, just like in Colorado, you have Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog as the stars of the show. On the back end, you have Gail McCarr, and Nazem Kadri can just play hockey. Yeah. I think Nazem Kadri thrives in environments where he's just told to be yourself, just play hockey, let your play do the talking. The rest, just let, leave it to the other guys. If he's the number one or the number two guy, like Phil Kessel in Toronto, uh, I don't really know if that's going to be a plan for success. You'll get some offense, but if you're paying him eight or nine million, you're expecting what you got in Colorado this year. And at the age of 31, I don't know how much more he can do that, so... Um, that would be a bold swing and a potential miss for Ottawa if they did that. So, 
Um, I would I would be very hesitant if I was Ottawa uh, to to give a player like Nazem Kadri that type of money. So well, you guys uh, are they're, they're, yeah. they're better going for a sure thing, a safe pick. Not nothing to break the bank because yeah. you have Josh Norris to sign this offseason and next season Tim Stutzel. So well, you as, yeah, make as, sure you don't burn all of your salary. I was about to say I don't think you guys are desperate for a center anyway, so I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it even makes. But sense. Uh, Ottawa's not done adding, and yeah. you're going to see throughout the offseason. Dorian's work is far from done. It might be worth it though, just to piss off Toronto though. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason to do it. You know, what picks off Toronto is if you went to Boston. True, true, true. Yeah. That, that would just be nightmare fuel. Right, right. The guy that cost you in two separate runs against the Bruins, yeah. and now he's on the Bruins. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be funny. Well, what would be funny, though, is because DeBrus just rescinded his trade request, he might, he might, <laughs> he might want, he might want out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's you, right. you might want out there. Uh, this is the guy that we saw. Or, or how about this? Him and Kadri are line mates. Yeah, yeah, that'd be funny. <laughs> that'd be funny. All right, um, that about does it here. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, this was a long episode. Uh, we apologize, but I guess uh, we knew that that was going to happen. Um, we apologize next week as well because it'll also probably be another long episode yeah, because we'll but like, have a fair bit of yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll have, like, I, I would assume we'll have less to talk about just because it's like we also yeah. had to talk about the draft, so it's like, okay. Yeah, um, but it, it'll probably stretch out into like an hour true, and a half. True, true, yeah. So. Uh, but that's our usual. Um, all right, that, that about does it here for us. Um, at Lace Em Up. You can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Em Up. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. Enjoy the free agency chaos, and we'll talk again in episode 329 of the Lace Em Up Podcast.